0: Hey, church family, Brett Cadwell, executive pastor here at Kingsway, and I'm so excited to get to share the message with you today, and uh, as we continue this series, week two of pause, talking about this idea of just pausing, breathing, you know, taking that moment in our life to pause and reflect and pause and, and be like Jesus, be with the Father, and so as we as we head into week two today, I'm just excited to share I feel like God has been really speaking to me about this over the last few months and just excited to share what what God has laid on my heart. So I think it's only fitting that we just take a moment at the beginning here and just pause and just ask the Spirit, God, to join us here and His Holy Spirit to, to come speak to you wherever you're hearing this message, in your living room, in your hot tub, in the car. Hopefully, you're only listening to the audio version if you're in your car right now, but but that God would just come and uh, and join us here. So let's pray and pause and do that. God, I just, I ask you right now, God, as we we come before you, God, that we just take a moment, push the pause button in our lives and just uh, allow you to speak to our hearts, to our minds. God, allow you to, uh, God, allow ourselves to hear exactly what you wanna say to us today. God, we invite Your Spirit here. Speak through me. Remove me, and may they be Your words today. And uh, and God, we uh, we just lay it all at Your feet, God. Whatever distractions are in our lives right now, we lay them down, and we just we just want to tune into what You have to say today, God. So we invite You here. It's Your name we pray. Amen. All right, church. So has there ever been a time in your life where? You you live through a moment and as you reflect back on it, as you look back on that moment, you wish you could not just have a do-over, but you wish you could have had a moment where you could have paused and done things differently. You could have pushed the pause button in that moment and said, you know what, I need to gain some perspective. I need to change my behavior in this moment in order for this to work out in a different way. And for me, there's a lot of moments like that, but as I was processing this, I went back to one moment in, uh, in my college years. I was a senior at Taylor University, the greatest university in the land, and, and I was, uh, I, it was an intramural basketball season. And we, were, we had an intramural basketball game. There's not much to do on our campus, so intramurals is a big, big deal. Most of the population the students play and, uh, and we, were, we were in the gym for this game. And, and my, my girlfriend at the time, Shelby, who's now my wife, walks in and, and, uh, and she's there with some friends to watch the game. And so if you, for all the ballers in the room, you know that raises the stakes, right? And so you've got an audience now. And so you can tell my height maybe on your TV. I'm not that tall of a guy. So I, I was the point guard that night. And so my job is to bring the ball up the floor uh, every possession. And so game starts, and there's a guy on the other team. His name's Isaiah. And uh, Isaiah and I t- tended to face off a lot of times in intramurals. And, and uh, it's not too long into the game that, that I feel like he is fouling me every time I'm up the floor. We've got an intramural ref getting paid like five bucks, so he's not calling the ticky tack fouls. And Isaiah steals the ball. And, you know, we do it again turnover number two, and turnover number two quickly turns into turnover number four. We're down eight to 10 points, and I feel in this moment this, this welling up inside of me, this boiling inside of me, and uh, I feel like I'm being wronged, getting fouled, and I wish in that moment that I could have pushed the pause button. I wish we could have got a sub. I could have gone out of the game. And we could have, you know, I could have gained some perspective and, and done something differently. But we only had five guys that night, so the game goes on. The next possession, in my final possession of the game, I'm bringing the ball up the floor, and it happens again. He fouls me, no foul's called, and he takes the ball up the floor. And as he's going up for that easy layup on the other end of the floor, I, for a moment, something snaps in me, and I forget for a moment that I'm on a basketball floor. I forget that I'm in the middle of a basketball game. For some reason, I feel like I have full pads on, helmet, shoulder pads, the whole deal, and I'm on a field of grass, and it's the middle of a football game, and I turn around and I sprint as hard as I can, and before Isaiah can go up for that layup, I wrap him up like a linebacker, a perfect form tackle, and I take him to the ground. And I know what's about to happen. That intramural ref that's getting paid five bucks, he's about to throw me out of the game. So I stand up, make some really awkward eye contact with my girlfriend, Shelby, at the time, and she's not happy, and I just walk out of the gym. And I knew I I got teed up and thrown out. And I wish in that moment that I could have pushed the pause button. I wish that I could have taken a moment and reflected and realized that my competitive nature was getting the best of me and do something different. And behave differently in that moment. And that's something we're talking about here today. Obviously, in that moment, you know, I needed a pause because I was angry, but maybe for you it's different. Maybe sometimes you feel like you need a pause when you're stressed. Maybe sometimes you feel like you need a pause when you're anxious or you're frustrated or you're overwhelmed in life. Maybe sometimes, you know, your pause, you feel like it needs to be a moment, but sometimes pauses. They need to last more like a season. And I realized that, you know, Matt talked a little bit about this last week, that that it seems odd or maybe weird that we're taking a whole month in this series to talk about this idea of, of pausing, of taking this time out in our lives when when we are in the middle of quite possibly the, the biggest, longest forced timeout uh that we'll ever have in our lifetime. And as I've walked through these past 12 or so weeks, and I've talked to some of you, members of our church, I've talked to our staff, I've talked to members of my own family, I really feel like God is, is using this moment to teach, to teach us something. He's using this moment in our lives. You see, God is, is not the author of this disease or virus, he's not the creator of this season of hurt and pain that we've been walking through, but he is absolutely choosing to use it to transform and sharpen and pierce every one of us. And the reality is, is that for most of us, this moment to pause is is coming at a crucial point in our lives. We may look back in this moment years, decades from now, and see the work that God was doing and how it changed the trajectory of our life. And I would imagine for a moment that God has been trying to get our attention for quite some time. I would imagine that it's it's probably started long before this season. I know it has for me. Long before this season that we're currently walking through. You know, we may call life chaos at times, busyness, maybe just craziness, maybe it's just life to you. But we are living our lives at a pace that has never been seen before in history. And the reality is it's weighing on us and it's wearing us down day by day. The speed of our lives is unbelievable and unsustainable, but somehow in the midst of it, we continue to talk ourselves into how it's somehow normal or it's somehow achievable. We're pulled in every direction. Through media, we have news at our fingertips all the time. Those little notifications go off all day long. We have calendars that are packed full with meeting after meeting. We go from practice to piano to Boy Scouts to dance, just to go home to a shortened night's sleep to get up and do it all over again. And John Eldridge says it perfectly in his book, Get Your Life Back. He says this, we live in a blistering pace in life. I texted friends an announcement that was really important to me. They replied with thumbs up emojis. I think to myself, that's it? You can't even answer with a text? Email felt so efficient when it replaced the letter. Texting seemed like rocket fuel when it came along, but it didn't make our lives more spacious. We simply had to keep up, and now we're living at the speed of the swipe and the like, moving so fast through our days that typing a single sentence feels cumbersome. Do you all feel like that? I know many days I do. John goes on to say this, we're spending three three hours a day using apps on our phones, 10 hours viewing media, consuming enough information each week to crash a laptop. They actually did a study on that. We talk about unplugging, but we're enchanted by the endless social media circus of love and hatred, the vapid, alarming, sensational, unforgivable. We're snagged by every new notification, and while we've always had our individual struggles and heartbreaks to deal with, now we have the tragedies of the entire world delivered to us hourly on our mobile devices, just in the palm of our hand. He says, this is all very hard on the soul, traumatizing in fact. Exposure to traumatic events can traumatize us and we're getting lots of it in our feed. It's like we've been swept into the gravitational field of a digital black hole that is sucking our lives from us. Now please hear what I'm saying and please hear what John is saying. There are some great things that have come from this, what we're calling the informational age. Even what we've seen transpire in the last few weeks. The ability with a phone in our pocket to capture what was a gut-wrenching moment for our country, but one that was incredibly important. That moment went on to create some incredibly important and crucial conversations even within our churches and our families. But what John Eldridge is getting at is that our minds and our hearts and our souls were never meant to have a front row seat to so much pain, anxiety, heartache, and fear all the time, constantly, without stop. We are not made to handle the deaths that come from every hurricane or earthquake or scandal in our, in our country, every major event that happens around the world. And as a believer, as a human being, if we don't know how to process and deal with that, our soul is left empty, like dry, scorched earth, with very little to give to anyone else in our lives. We feel like we're trying to get through the day and process it ourselves, much less walking through that with anyone else. When we talk about what it means to pause, to just, to just stop and breathe, that whole idea, it might seem foreign to you. When you heard Matt talk about that last week, you, you know, when I, I know when I started doing this, it was, it, was, it was foreign to me. It felt weird to just stop in the middle of two meetings and, and breathe and close my eyes and, and just pause what I'm doing. And if it didn't, if it doesn't feel weird to you walking through this COVID season, through this COVID season, it, it probably feels weird now because you know many of us have been struggling or failing to pause even daily or weekly, much less as much as God intends us to. And you see, I don't think this is a COVID-19 issue. It's only been highlighted in this season. As all the busyness, the activity, the rhythm, Most of the time, the crazy rhythm of our lives has been stripped away in this season. We are left to actually start to deal with and process and really dig into what, God, what are you doing in me? And what does all this mean? God, what are you speaking to me? And so why is it so hard to pause? Why is it so difficult to push the pause button in our lives? I just wanna look at the the world that we live in, the world that is filled with distractions at every turn. It's filled with the stuff that is desperately battling for our time and attention. The noise of our lives is deafening. It drowns out the voice of God. And the voice of ourselves gets louder. When the fear creeps in, the anxiety is overwhelming, our own voices grow louder than God's voice. We start to hear you know, those voices in our head saying things like, We will never be enough, or You'll never be like her or him. You'll never amount to anything in this life. And the noise is so loud, and God is desperately trying to get through to us. He's trying to speak, but we can't hear him. And instead of turning down the noise in our world, instead of turning off the distractions, we turn it all up. You see, we're in control of the volume control of those distractions, we're in in control of the noise. Most of us don't like the quiet at least the complete quiet, the complete silence. We like a little noise in our life. I saw a study about this. There's actually a lab in Minneapolis where they took all of the distraction, all the noise out of this room and they've made it, it's the most quiet, it's the quietest room on the planet where you can hear your heart beating, your lungs functioning and no one has ever lasted more than 45 minutes in that room without completely losing their mind. And and pleading to get out of the room, you see, complete silence is sort of, sort of what hap- has happened though in our lives in this forced pause we've been living through. See, we didn't ask for this, we didn't want it, but it happened, ready or not. And we had to, we kind of had to adjust on the fly. And you know what's happened is it's exposed, it's exposed cracks and flaws in all of us, in me and maybe in you, in your marriage, in our organizations that we work for, in our churches, in our businesses, in our families. It's revealed some really, really hard stuff. You see, it removed the noise in our life in a moment's notice. We are forced to turn down the noise for a while, but what do we do when life gets hard? When life gets turned upside down, often we do whatever we can to turn up that noise when anxiety comes when the voice creeps in we turn it up and the, that those noises look like a lot of things Netflix YouTube sports I know not right now but they're coming back soon I mean come on baseball get it together Facebook Spotify Instagram podcast dieting eating Abuse of a substance in your life. Maybe for you it's exercise. To-do lists. I know I just got you, got you all on that one. Shopping, online shopping, going out and buying whatever you saw that neighbor just has, just got. Only a little bit better and a little bit newer. Work. A calendar completely full of events. Birthday parties, youth sports, recitals, practices. What about that extra job that makes the lifestyle you want possible even though you can't really afford it? You're doing it all to kind of you know, play this part that you know is not true, live this lie, but in reality, it only takes you away from your family more and just turns up the crazy. We can use all kinds of things in our life to turn up the noise. When God is trying to speak, we turn up the noise. When God is maybe using your your spouse or your best friend Or a family member to sharpen you, to call out something in you that that needs to change, we turn up the noise. God is trying to get through to us, to tell us that we are created by him, in his image, that he loves us, that he is enough, that he always has been, and he always will be. He reminds us that he is the creator of the universe, and he loves us. But what I've found about God, and I don't know if this is true for you, but what I've seen in my own life is that God doesn't usually yell unless he has to. He speaks in a still, small voice. And last week, Matt walked us through the story of Mary and Martha and the lessons that that Jesus was teaching them as they spent time with him. And today, I want to take it one step further. We're going to dive into the Gospels, and we're going to look quickly at several places the life of Jesus, and examine the intentionality of Jesus and how he set us up and he equipped us to turn down the noise, push the pause button, and spend time with our Father. I really wanna focus on some practical things that you you and I can walk away with to connect to the Father just like Jesus did. You see, noisy moments happen in Jesus' life too. His ministry here on earth, his daily life was filled with crazy noise. He finds himself consistently in the middle of crowds, that are overwhelming him. He finds himself being followed and pursued by those always wanting something from him. He is constantly and consistently questioned by his enemies for what he does and when he chooses to do it. He gets called out in front of the masses. People want his time and attention all the time. They seek healing from disease and release from possession And see, sometimes as we read about Jesus and we're learning about him and we read these stories, we convince ourselves that Jesus was this superhuman, that somehow he wasn't tempted by sin like we are. He wasn't coerced by the things of the world. You see, but Jesus was fully man and he was fully God. So he was was fully man. He was tempted just like we are. He got tired just like we, we do at the end of a long, hard day. But at the whole time, he's got this God card in his pocket that he could choose to play at any time, but he never did. Instead, in his humanity, he showed us how to pause and connect, how to pause and reconnect to God. He taught us how to pause and fill up our soul. So let's look at a couple places in Scripture when he did that. First place is Matthew 4, and I'm just gonna paraphrase it for you, but Matthew 4 is the start of his ministry. And Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. He goes in the wilderness to be to pause, to be alone with God. And all of a sudden, Satan shows up and, and is tempting him time and time again. And as he goes through those forty days, he gets to the end and he is he's exhausted. He's worn out. And it tells us in Matthew, you know, what does he do? He stops at the end of those forty days, and the Bible actually says he lets the angels of the Lord care for him. And then we see in Luke four, verse forty-two. You know, the night before this, Jesus is uh, this full night of ministry, casting out demons and, and uh, healing people and doing ministry in the streets. And it, and it lasts late into the night. We know that from Scripture. And then we get to Luke 4.42 and it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. We see in Luke 9, the, the same idea, Jesus escapes the crowd to be alone with God and his disciples. Luke 9, 18, it says, one day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. See, Jesus goes and prays alone in Luke 9, and then he comes back and he tells his disciples about what's about to happen to him a few chapters later when he's crucified on a cross. But he spends time alone first. And you see, Jesus, Jesus prioritized the pause, he made the pause a priority in his life. He acted with intention. He put everything else on the back burner in his life, and he prioritized the pause above all else. He chose to get up, remove himself from the crazy that he was experiencing, to turn down the noise and go be with his father. And friends, that is where it starts with us. It starts with putting the phone down in the morning. Instead of the first thing you do is reach for that phone on the bedstand. Take a moment and pause, read your Bible, pray before you choose to scroll on Facebook or Instagram. For you, maybe it means a hard stop at work at five o'clock so that you have a moment to take a breath before you get home so you can give your best to your family when you walk in the door. See, it starts with a choice, a reprioritization of our lives that reprioritizes pausing and connecting with Jesus as the most important thing. And it's actually vital to the, to the rest of our day. When you make that choice, you just chose to turn down the noise. So you make the choice to pause, you prioritize the moment of connection with Jesus in your life, now what? It's easy for us to complicate this, but I, I, I wanna stress, I don't want you to overcomplicate it. Now you just pray through the pause. You simply pause and pray. And this looks a little different in everyone's life. Jesus actually paused and prayed in Luke 11, and, and then he goes and teaches his disciples to pray. We see it. It says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Well, his disciples came to Jesus to be taught how to pray because they saw him do it all the time. When he would pause and be with the Father, they would see him prioritize that prayer in his life, and he prayed through the pause. Oftentimes, you know, we feel like we have to know what to pray or how to pray or exactly what to say. And the psalmist says that God already knows your thoughts. He knows what's in your head. He's tracking with you. He knows where your heart is. So, you know, prayer is simply a conversation with him. You're inviting him into your life, your world, your issue, your insecurity. You're turning down the noise and allowing his voice to wash over you. I know many of the ladies in our church have started creating these these war rooms so to speak these places these closets in their house where they go and pray. Maybe for you it's setting apart a time of day. Most find that the mornings are the best time for this. I actually do it at night. I'm a night owl. So everyone in my house is in bed and I choose to turn down the noise, turn off Netflix, and I pray. Sometimes it's just silence. Sometimes I read my Bible. Sometimes I cry out to God, asking him to intercede in a specific area of my life or an area of a friend's life. But don't overcomplicate it. Jesus wants to walk beside you in whatever you're walking through. And I know some of you, you may really benefit from having a tool, a resource to help you. And that's why we've, we've created a tool during this series. I've been reading these daily and our teammates that are putting these together are doing an incredible job in, in these daily pause devotionals. You can find them on our social media uh, each and every day. And, and let the devotional lead you in that time. John Eldridge, who we quoted earlier, his team actually has created a resource. If you're more, you, you like an app on your phone, he has an app called Pause. You can download it in, in the app store. Just search the word Pause. But it actually walks you through 60 seconds of what it looks like to just stop and cast your cares on the Lord, to lay him at the Lord's feet, to let the Lord worry about your worry, concern, anxiety, and then go about your day. You see, sometimes we make it too complicated and don't do that. Just pray through the pause. So you, you turn down the noise, you choose the pause, you, you make it a priority, you pray through that pause, and then when the Father speaks, you take action. We see this in Jesus' life and ministry happen over and over again. Luke 6.12, one of my favorite examples. Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. And at daybreak, it says, Luke 6.12, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. So he's God goes up on a mountain to pray. He prays all night long. And what happens? He comes down off of that mountain. And the Bible tells us that he gathers all of his, his people, his followers together. And it's the moment when he sets apart the 12 disciples that are gonna go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus paused, he prayed, the father spoke, and he took action. We see it again in John 8, 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. You know what happens after this? This is when Jesus is incredibly compassionate for the adulterous woman in John. And we see him take compassion on this woman when no one else would. And it's because he paused and he prayed and he was filled up by his heavenly father. And then maybe the most important pause of Jesus's life happens in Luke 22. Follow along with me. It says, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. And there he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation.'" He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will be, to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat, fe- sweat fell to the ground like great, great drops of blood. You see, it says there early in verse 39, that Jesus went as usual to the Mount of Olives. And he's, remember, he's human. He prays, God, take this away from me. But then the father speaks and he knows what he has to do. You see, Jesus presses pause. He makes a choice to be with his father. He connects. And then the father leads him. In that moment of pause, and Jesus takes action, the most important action that he ever took, rooted in prayer, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he goes and he's crucified on the cross for your sins and mine. And it started with a time of pause and prayer. So I want you, church, to take a moment and think and visualize for me how moments of pause can transform you, your life, your family, this church, this community we live in. That is not overstated. We're doing a series called Pause because we believe there's an incredible power in the pause. We finally look at this this picture that's painted so well in scripture in Psalm 1, this contrasting, polarizing picture, and it says this, it's a short psalm. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season, their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. And here comes the other side of that picture, but not the wicked, they are worthless shafts scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Church, you see when we meditate on God's word day and night, when we pause, we spend time with the Father, We are like trees planted along a riverbank. Trees are deeply rooted in the father. They know him because they consistently spend time with him and they get to know the father. So right now, church, what do you need to choose to give up? What do you need to prioritize in order to prioritize the pause in your life? Because when we start to become to look like those trees planted along the riverbank, when we start to receive the flowing water of Jesus in our lives and we're filled with his love and his patience and his kindness, how would that transform your life? How would that transform this church? How would that change the way that you treat your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, your neighbors, those in your life that may not look the same as you, or those in your life that may not believe all the same things as you. In church, it's easy in this moment to feel overwhelmed, but don't do that. Don't think you have to be perfect. Start simple, start small. Maybe for you, it's, it's literally taking 60 seconds of your day today and giving it to Jesus. You choose to turn down the noise and you choose to connect with Jesus. You pray to the father and when he leads you to make a change, you have a hard conversation, you transform something in your own heart, you give your life to Jesus and you take action. The change that the father wants to do in you starts with a simple pause.